Hello and welcome everyone back to another episode of the Publisher Lab. I am Tyler Bishop. Join alongside me as always, Shelby Kang. Shelby, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I see you adjusting the knobs furiously here, <laughs> um, uh, which is classic for us. Would you tell the audience why? Oh, yes. Well, we usually have um, our podcast co-producer, Alan, here with us. Um, and he handles all of the sound nowadays. So it's been a while since I've touched the uh, mixer board. But <laughs> I have a weird quirk that um, that I think you used to be aware of and Alan has become a master of uh, adapting to. And that is when we do sound tests, I'm significantly quieter than whenever I actually start talking into the microphone. <laughs> oh, definitely. But it's funny because usually I think our sound sort of dies out a little bit as the episode progresses because we start... I don't know, getting tired or just kind of getting settled into our yeah. uh, conversation, but um, hopefully you can hear us loud and clear. Yeah, and we are doing this broadcast here towards the end of the year, beginning of the, you know, getting into the beginning of 2020, and um, it's a weird time in digital publishing. I, th I think that... Um, Fair to say, this year has not gone the way that I think a lot of people would have predicted. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year, a lot of the things that have sort of taken place or a lot of the, I guess, um, inevitabilities that seem like they're occurring right now, I probably would have said, I probably would have shrugged my shoulders a little bit. So uh, I, I would say 2019 has been very interesting so far. Yeah, I actually think around this time last year, we did some sort of like predictions up and down kind of content in some of our episodes at that time and it's funny too because it's like I think because everything is so unpredictable right now in the industry last year there was tons of articles out like top 10 you know trends going yeah. into next year these are different predictions and I think everyone's a little bit hesitant to, <laughs> yeah. to throw those out just because it's been such a it, it does seem like there's a lot of things that could maybe shift real hard one direction but then maybe not and I think a lot of people are trying to figure out, like, is the impact of this thing? This thing seems like it could be hugely impactful, you know, especially with things like third-party cookies, like, and same-site origin tracking and stuff like that happening in Chrome. I think a lot of publishers wonder, is this going to be this huge deal? I think a lot of advertisers wonder that. And I think everybody that sits in between, you know, probably wants the answer to that. And there's a lot of smart people that want to pretend like they know, but... I think the truth is, is it's going to, we're all going to wait, have to wait and see a little bit to see how everything plays out because one thing affects another and uh, it's the butterfly effect. Right. Well, hopefully maybe our first topic can kind of get us to get a good feel on the industry. It's some media stats from November um, of this year. And this is from What's New in Publishing. So uh, they had a list of about 10 and I just pulled a few that I thought would be relevant. Uh, the first one is TikTok surpasses 1.5 billion global downloads in November. And that's just seven months after hitting the 1 billion mark. Um, so India has been uh, a fast rise in 2019, driving 277.6 million downloads this year. That's roughly 45% of all global installs, and that beats out China and the United States as well. So we, we've been talking about TikTok for a long time, and it's just kind of been booming this entire time. Um, but interesting to see that, you know, India is their biggest market now. Yeah, it is interesting. I know that there's a lot of questions about uh, fraud and, um, you know, whenever you're talking about app downloads and things along those lines, um, I think 
just throughout the years, there's been a lot of investors and a lot of other people that have been burned by some of those numbers. That said, the uh, time on the platform and a lot of other stuff related to uh, TikTok seems to be it seems to be trending in the right direction. They seem to have invested a lot in influencers and other relationships like that to try to get the platform off. Um, I don't necessarily see it as this dominant new, uh, I guess, social platform right now. And I think it's because I think advertisers are very skeptical. I think a lot of technology that typically operates in this space and incumbents and people that disrupt things typically will generate this sort of reaction. But I'm I'm looking at it a bit skeptical. I know that the U.S. government still looks at it a bit skeptically. Um, so we'll we'll see. Uh, I think Snapchat a long time ago had the same kind of mass appeal to it. Um, and while Snapchat is still here, I don't know that it was ever this uh, massive change and uh, overtaking, you know, like a lot of the incumbent platforms that existed, uh, although it's still in the mix now. So yeah. I would say, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not really sure what to think yet. Yeah, especially since when you think about it, Snapchat made a pretty big effort to try and appeal to publishers and cater to content. Um, whereas TikTok is not really the case as much. Um, the second stat is U.S. women consume more media than men. So this is according to research from Nielsen, which found that women spend about 72.8 hours a week consuming media compared to 67.8 hours a week for men. Um, so TV is surprisingly still the single most consumed media platform, but that's, uh, of course, followed by smartphones. Yeah, I, I don't think that's necessarily a surprise uh, yet either. Um, although I do think that most um, most projections see mobile overtaking traditional video at some point in the near future, and uh, I don't think that that'll that'll change. Uh, content is changing to adapt to that. Um, so yeah, I think if you're a publisher, that's actually a good thing because the barrier to entry for television, traditional television, is really really high. And the barrier to entry for smartphones is basically, do you have, do, do you own another smartphone? Because right. if so, you can now be a publisher. All right. And the last one I have is podcasts will be the next $1 billion media market. So this forecast comes from Forrester, which is a market research company. And they state that more publishers will look to podcasts as a new delivery point for their content and to draw more ad dollars from marketers. Um, their data also states that there are over 700 active podcasts today and U.S. consumers spend over three hours per week listening to audio content. I don't uh, know if I spend three hours a week listening to audio. I, 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 if you don't, I spend my portion and yours. Okay. So, um, yeah, I would say definitely so. I think um, looking back four or five years ago with my advertiser hat on, I would have... Like, unless I had a specific consumer product, I probably wouldn't have been all that interested as a marketer and advertiser or thought it was just too niche or not worth my time. Uh, and now it's something I'm, like, very interested in. And I think that a lot of other advertisers see it that way as well. It's a, You kind of feel like you're getting a better idea of who your audience is. It feels real. Um, I think generally, like, if you were to say, like, let's pick something big like the Joe Rogan Experience podcast or something like that, um, if you're an advertiser... And you can, you know, get your product or whatever on as a as a live read on the show. Uh, I think you have no doubts about the fact that you're reaching a real audience. You have maybe a good idea of what that demographic looks like. Um, 
it's a hard thing to get other places. So I think podcasts definitely are going to be a $1 billion industry. All right. Uh, the next topic is not anything I pulled from um, an article or anything, but it's about Spotify. Um, are you a Spotify user? I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm a premium Spotify subscriber, me and my wife both. Right. Uh, so I wanted to kind of just talk about the your 2019 wrapped campaign. Um, so Spotify recently launched their annual wrapped campaign where they pull together information on different songs, albums, artists, and podcasts um, from an individual's personal listening history. So it could be, you know, your most played album of mm -hmm. the year, your most played artist of the year. Um, but this year they went one step further and they turned all this information into images that you could easily share on social media. I think it was already formatted for like Instagram stories. Mm -hmm. um, so I just thought that this is such a clever way to kind of just connect with an audience and get them to share your content basically. Um, so even though it's Spotify, a platform, I think publishers can still kind of find cool ways to do this too. Yeah, and I think um, with all the negative uh, rap that data collection gets for a lot of different reasons, I think, you know, as a user of something, when you see your data being used in a way that's sort of um, personalized and enhances the experience and uh, doesn't seem to have any ulterior motive other than, you know, expressing yourself, the platform maybe getting some shine, but not necessarily being, you know, directly... Uh, directly connected to advertising or something along those lines. Uh, I, I think it, you know, paints a, a great picture of how you can use data to connect with an audience in a way that doesn't make them feel like, wait a minute, how do you know this about me? I think, you know, being able to say, like, these were your top albums and um, this is, you know, like, these are ideas or these are images um, that connect to the type of music that you listen to or something along those lines. I think that's pretty cool. And uh, I think as users of social media and as social media continues to grow, um, people want to find ways to like express themselves, show how they're different. Um, and so I think, yeah, way to go Spotify. I think as a publisher, it gets hard to do this. Um, Spotify is obviously a platform that's got something really unique here. But as a publisher in general, uh, I do think that finding more ways to connect or collect information from your audience that you can then redistribute to them in a way that like they would enjoy is a really cool way to connect with them. Yeah. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be like per individual. It could be the five top pieces of content from the year or I don't know, the most popular comments on some of your content. Um, but I always think it's really interesting to see like what's most popular from the year before because usually it says a lot about that year. And um, I, I think that it's really cool to collect predictions from people at the beginning of the year and then at the end to be able to say, this is what everybody thought at the beginning of the year and this is what people said at the end. Um, and then also to be able to collect information from people, even survey information, and then say, hey, I'm going to survey you, but realize by participating, we're going to actually show you the answers from everybody eventually. And I think it makes you feel like, oh, I'm a part of something. How do I compare to others? I think people enjoy that. Right. Um, the last big topic I have on deck is um, a stock image firm that now lets brands sponsor images. So Upsplash um, is a website for free stock images, and they recently launched a service that now allows firms to sponsor branded images within searches. 
So the company facilitates 65 million high-res image downloads per month, and the photos are provided by photographers that choose to upload them to the site. Um, And even though the content is technically like crowdfunded or user-generated, Upsplash carefully curates which pictures actually go onto the website. So they're working with brands like Google, Harley-Davidson, and um, the Honest Company, and also Boxed Water. So um, if people are searching for water bottles on their website, they'll see um, images from Boxed Water, which is taking their branded visuals and sponsoring them on the top of those searches. So I just thought that was kind of a creative way to do sponsored content. It's not really anything that I've heard of before. Yeah, it it is creative and it seems like uh, a general win-win. The problem with a lot of these types of um, ventures, unfortunately, is that it is a little bit of ad networky um, kind of coming into play. And a lot of times when you'll see stuff like this, that seems like, hey, this is a great way for photographers to maybe get paid for their media, publishers to get access to free stuff, like everybody wins. What happens is the financial, uh, I guess, gain that there is uh, from that, from all the sides involved, doesn't really amount to very much. And meanwhile, you have somebody sort of in the middle that seems to be, you know, um, basically profiting for from from very little um, uh, effort or work. You know, when you're a publisher, you're the one creating the content. If you're a photographer, it's your it's your artwork, and ultimately you're not um, being compensated what, what, you know, you may consider fairly. Um, that being said, I do think that one of the trends that we'll see in 2020 is people being more creative about how they make, um, create fair content creation opportunities. So uh, both publishers and um writers, uh, content creators, video, videographers, and things along those lines, we're getting better and better at collecting data on articles, how they generate revenue, and things along those lines. And I do think that um, you'll see more freelancers saying, hey, I can create really great content. I'm willing to do this on a revenue share basis. And more publishers willing to say, sure, put your money where your mouth is. And it de-risks the whole uh, process for everybody a little bit. And it puts the um, ability for really great content creators to make a fair exchange. Um, and I think o- ultimately uplifts like the quality of content across the web. Right. Um, the last thing that I just want to mention since the holidays are right around the corner I want to throw out a friendly reminder that publishers will likely see a drop in ad revenue at the beginning of the year. <laughs> I know we said this last year. I think we gave people a heads up, but I mean, I'm not a fortune teller, but I, I think we can safely assume that, you know, there there's going to be a little bit of drop off. Yeah, 2019 was weird in that it was the first time we saw collectively um, ad rates sort of balance. Um, they didn't necessarily go up the way that they've been linearly, linearly, that's a hard one for me, uh, going up for from past years. And so um, only time is going to tell what uh, a drop at the start of 2020 will look like. Um, and on top of that, we've got all the kind of pending stuff with cookies and everything else. Um, yeah, I would say it's an unprecedented time. And 2020, the start of it may be a rough time. I, I don't know. It you know, you could be surprised and things could be fairly steady. But I will say this, um, one of the things I know, and this is being a publisher too, when you see, um, you know, ad rates drop at the start of the year, it always feels like a lot more than what you 
had in previous years. And a lot of times it's because as a publisher, as you make more content, you make more money. And so, you know, if I made, you know, 15 grand uh, last year and then January uh, that month, I only made 10, you know, it's like, oh, it's a 33% drop, you know. And then this year, if I made 20 grand and then the next month I see, you know, that same 33% drop, and it's actually six grand as opposed to five this time. And so six grand is more than five. So it feels like I lost way more money this year than I did the previous years in the drop. But realistically, percentage-wise, it's about the same. Right. Yeah. Um, another thing, I keep saying one last thing. Um, one thing that we'll have going into next year is uh, a new website just for the Publisher Lab. That's right. We It's actually up now. Um, so you can go to... I think it's publisherlabpodcast.com. Publisherlabpodcast.com. And actually, now you can submit questions to us. So you can actually go online now. And uh, as we say, if you have questions or comments or feedback about the podcast, we used to always have to like give you handles to non-connected Twitter accounts and different things like that or tell you to email Shelby personally. Um, So now you can go straight to publisherlabpodcast.com and, um, and yeah, ask questions, get more information about the show, listen to past episodes. Um, We'll soon be having more video recordings of our podcast. That's right. If you don't follow us on Instagram, uh, uh, the Instagram handle that we post a lot of this stuff to is Ezoic Platform. Um, but the, uh, show itself, uh, we do have lots of clips that we're putting up on YouTube and other places. So, um, yeah, stay tuned for that. I think those are, those are fun. Uh, I'm I'm glad that we've got the video recordings, the podcast going up now. Right. I have mixed feelings about it because I don't love being in front of a camera. I, I think behind a microphone is, is enough for me, but it would be interesting if you are listening to this podcast and you would rather watch it or watch clips of it in video form as opposed to audio form, uh, go to publisherlabpodcast.com and please let us know. It would be a really great experiment. Um, And yeah, it would be really cool if some of you would go on and do that, if that's something that you actually want. Well, that's all I've got for this week. Is there anything going on on your side? Nope, just out of stuff. (laughs) Out of stuff completely. And um, I'm sure a lot of publishers probably feel that way too. Right. Well... We want to thank you guys for listening and leaving your reviews and all that jazz. And hopefully you'll have a good holiday time. Yep. That's what we want for everybody. We really appreciate all the time that you spent with us this year and hope that you'll continue to do so in 2020. This has been another episode of The Publisher Lab. I'm Tyler Bishop and that's Shelby Kang.